Welcome to Urban Forum Northwest on this glorious Thursday, June 17th, where today uh, President Joseph Biden signed in the Juneteenth holiday legislation. I never thought I'd see it happen. Matter of fact, my very first guest is from Texas, and he was the first African-American city manager hired or appointed in the state of Washington. He is also a Tacoma, Washington civic leader, and I think one of the founders of Tacoma Pierce County Black Elective, but none other than James L. Walton. We know him as Jim Walton. So, uh, Jim, welcome to Urban Forum Northwest today. We're starting out with some real good news. So I'd just like to have you comment on coming from Texas to Tacoma VI military. Uh, I would just like to have you comment on the significance and uh, were you uh, shocked by uh the unanimous consent in the Senate, 14 uh, Republicans in the House vote against, but you know, we got those kind of folks everywhere. So I'd like to have you comment on that. Well, uh, uh, thank you, uh, Eddie, for having me first. And it, uh, on this day, to, to, uh, for you to be able to say that, that uh, it is signed into legislation, is, is just, a, just a blessing, is the only way I can say it. I, I uh, would not have. Uh, Ever believe that um, when when all of this started in Texas, at least for me, uh, we would be witnessing uh, this kind of event. It's been a long time coming. We still have a long way to go, but we'll we'll take it. It's a good. Well, day. I'm from I'm from Shreveport, Louisiana, and uh, that's northern Louisiana, Texas, Arkansas border. And I moved. My family came to Seattle when I was ten years old. My dad was. Uh, the Northwest organizer for the Brotherhood of Sleeping Car Porters appointed by Philip Randolph in 1950. And so in Treeport, we celebrated, uh, but my, my friends down in Southern Louisiana, they didn't, they, I don't think they did, but a few of them did, but they, they thought we might as well be from Texas. But, you know, at last, uh, uh, Lyle Quasim and people in Chicago can celebrate Juneteenth. Uh, yes. Um... And the ones who really know what Juneteenth is about, I think, uh, probably just rode into town in Chicago uh, yesterday. <laughs> so they had no knowledge. They, they they had no knowledge, but they're they're fast learners. They'll they'll get it. Uh, uh, they too are seeking uh, freedom, um, but it, freedom comes in many forms and many different uh, directions. And I'm just uh, so proud to uh, to be from Texas and growing up in a totally segregated uh, society and remembering all the things we went through. But there were two days a year, other than uh, Christian-related holidays, where we we thought we were in charge of the world. It was Juneteenth. And they had a Negro Achievement Day at the State Fair, one day uh, a year at the State Fair uh, that, that we could go and we could celebrate, and et cetera. And I look forward to those two particular events because it wasn't just the singing and the eating and the praying. It is what it symbolized uh, that our journey for freedom and um, and and so we we uh, celebrated those days, but it reinforced and reunified us for the long haul. Uh, and then freedom, but we realized we were not free, but we were freedom fighters. 
Now, Jim, you have a, a very historic career uh, in Washington State. Uh, as I mentioned earlier in the introduction, you're the first African-American to be hired or appointed as a city manager in Washington State. You also have been involved, and that's why I call you a civic leader in Tacoma. You're involved with a multitude of organizations doing very good things. Would you take a couple of minutes and share with our listeners about some of the activities you're engaged in after your retirement? Well, yes, I'd be uh, more than willing to uh, to do that, and and uh, I consider all the things you said uh, as as a blessing, and uh, I I try to stay involved in a number of things to uh, so that I'm not uh, put in too small of a box. I uh, I'm on the board of the United Way of of, of Pierce County, um, as an example. Um, I'm one of the founding members of a organization called the um, Elizabeth Wesley Youth Merit Incentive Awards Program, where we uh, engage with uh, African-American high school students to encourage and reward them for their academic uh, performance. And we have a big event annually to, to recognize them for putting emphasis on uh, academics. Uh, I'm a member of uh, Shiloh uh, Baptist uh, Church. Uh, I belong to a uh, Rotary Club here in town, and but my and I'm a member of the NAACP. But my uh, major group that really keeps me uh, uh, keyed in is the uh, Pierce County Black Collective, a a collection of. Uh, African-Americans from all walks of life, and we're starting to expand to be more regional, as a matter of fact, and we meet weekly to share information, to to help each other out any way we can. There's many organizations, but uh, people can participate just as an individual. So those are just some of the things that, that, uh, that I'm involved in. Uh, on a regular basis, just to stay engaged and, and uh, keep paying my dues. Well, I've been encouraged quite a few people in the Seattle area. I've been an active participant in the Pierce County Black Collective. I call it Tacoma Pierce County Black Collective uh, for the last five or six years. And uh, in, uh, I think it was 2017, it was a recipient of the Hero Moss uh, Decades Legacy Award, which right. I cherish greatly. Uh, because of the fact uh, 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 Mr. Moss was uh, definitely a trailblazer down in the Tacoma area, being the first black uh, mayor. I don't know. I think he was the first black member of the uh, Pierce County Council as well. That's and uh, uh, like I've encouraged some folks, well, we want to start something. And I, and I, I advise all of them, what you need to do is check out, you don't have to say anything, but check out how, Lyle and Jim Walton and others operate, and Ellen Smith, how you guys operate the meetings, uh, and that give people a good idea on how to maintain civility, how to stay on point. So I refer quite a few folks uh, to check out uh, uh, the Tacoma Pierce County Black Collective. Now, uh, Jim, you also, uh, in terms of when were you the uh, city manager of Tacoma? When, when was that t- uh, tenure? Um, I, I was uh, appointed city manager in Tacoma in uh, uh, 2003, and I uh, retired from the city in uh, 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 2005. But uh, it was uh, in 2003 when 
when I um, had the opportunity to be the city manager at Tacoma. And you got up to, uh, uh, to Tacoma area through the military because you are from Texas. And then you have one of your brothers is a, 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 a renowned gospel announcer, Frank Walden. And then you got another brother that everybody knows, former mayor of uh, San Francisco, Willie Brown. So that's, uh, you that's definitely have a political family. That's that's true, and and uh, it's amazing even to me, even though uh, uh, Willie is my brother and et cetera. To uh, again, just to think that uh, uh, coming from uh, Mineola, a small town of four thousand people in segregated East Texas, and to be blessed uh, to be able to. Uh, uh, participate at the level that we've been able to participate is pretty amazing, um, and I never, I never envisioned uh, working for local government because I was fighting against local government because they were enforcing uh, the uh, restrictions that uh, we were fighting uh, through. And when I first had the opportunity to go to work for the city of Tacoma. I thought I was being uh, tricked, so I could, they put me in a job, and they would tell me then, sit and be quiet. But uh, uh, I prayed about it and talked to my mother about it and uh, was convinced that uh, I could bring about more change, men inside the system, than uh, outside uh, protesting. And so I gave it a try, and it worked out. And that's great because you definitely have left a legacy as well as uh, created opportunities for people coming uh, uh, after you left. And now uh, we look and see that, you know, this, we've had uh, two black mayors in the city of Tacoma, Marilyn right. Strickland, who's now in Congress. We also have uh, the current mayor, Victoria Wooders, and the deputy mayor, uh, Keith Blocker. Right. So, uh, and then we look at uh, the number of judges that are involved with the collective. We look at the park commissioners, Aaron Pointer, brother of the Pointer sisters, but renowned, he has own renown. Matter of fact, he is, was responsible for getting a park name for the late judge, federal judge, Jack Tanner. I went to that right. uh, that groundbreaking when they had that over over on the other side of the of the hilltop, but right on the water. So that was great right. to see as well. So, right. well, right. Uh, well, Jim, I really do appreciate all the work you're doing. And pretty soon, I guess we'll be able to see each other at the Color Women's Club as soon as they lift the rest of these uh, restrictions on on us uh, gathering. So, uh, and I'm looking forward to that because uh, uh, Zoom is, uh, is a great substitute, but uh, there's nothing like uh, seeing people in person. Um, and so I'm looking forward uh, to that as well and uh, continue kind of the network that is formed kind of naturally here through the Black Collective that is really paid off for a whole host of us. I had told my brother Willie, uh, who was the former mayor of San Francisco, of course, that uh, that gathering on Saturday was, was, was like a therapy session uh, for me because I had spent the, the, the entirety of my week pretty much being the only one that looked like me in the circles that I was working in. But to come into that environment and uh, be reassured and supported, and uh, it was it was uh, absolutely essential to my experience in local government. Well, it's also a therapy session for me, too, and I can't wait to see everybody in person once again. And uh, Jim Walton, I want to thank you very much. We do have something to celebrate. You've been a Texas native. 
me being from Shreveport also, we also celebrated Juneteenth. And now it's an official federal holiday. So thank you, Jim Walton. We appreciate your time today, brother. Keep up the good Thanks work. Thanks, Eddie, for having me, and I appreciate it. You have a great day. Okay, well, let me let me go ahead and give a shout-out to my sponsors, then. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to the Port of Seattle's uh, Diversity Contracting Office with me and Rice. I want to thank the Port Commissioners for their support, as well as the CEO, Steve Metric, and Mike Merritt, who is his deputy. Uh, the City of Seattle Purchase Construction Services Office, Liz Alzier. Uh, Concourse Concessions. Uh, out of SeaTac, business is picking up the David Pukahara, SeaTac uh, Bar Group LLC, the Two Desert Storm veterans, uh, Jerry Woodset and Rod O'Neill. And I want to thank Stephanie Ogle, who keeps our technology straight. And hopefully I'll be thanking uh, 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 Xfinity tomorrow when they come out here and fix my computer. I've been out, with, out of access for the last two days and my phone has been goofed up, so they'll get that squared away. Now do we have Elmer Dixon? Yes, we do. Hey, Elmer, how you doing, brother? I'm good, brother. How you doing? Man, I just talked to Jim Walton uh, from Tacoma, who is a native of Texas, and we're rejoicing over uh, the signing of the uh, Juneteenth holiday legislation today by President Joseph Biden. And hopefully this will lead to voting rights legislation and uh, also lead to a federal designation for African descendants of the United States enslaved with our own agencies and every, our own departments and every federal agency ran by us for us. You don't have to ask somebody for no okay or approval. But anyway, I'm just getting started on that. But Elmer well, is famous. Go ahead, Elmer. No, I was going to say it's about time uh, yeah. that that <laughs> legislation was passed. And um, and I hope it does lead the way. You know, sometimes we get a little bit and we go, then we take another couple of steps backwards. And so hopefully we continue to hold their feet to the fire. Because this, uh, these voter rights laws that are being passed are, um, you know, unconstitutional and uh, taking us all the way back to the 1960s. Well, you sound like the people on TV when you're talking, talking about the Constitution. The other good thing that happened, too, is the Supreme Court upheld Obamacare. I saw that. Even, even, even Clarence Thomas voted for it. I'm really happy about that. <clears throat> so 30 million people won't get kicked off and open the door for other people to receive security. But everybody know Elmer is one of the founding members of the Seattle chapter of the Black Panther Party. They established programs that once the Panthers left, the city picked up. So they must have been pretty darn good. But also, uh, Elmer has been doing a lot of work. He speaks all around the world. Is uh, the president of Executive Diversity Services. And uh, you've been to Finland. You've been to Germany. You've been to France. So could you share a little bit with our listeners? I also want to extend my condolences to the loss of one of your colleagues, uh, Andy Reynolds, who was normally known by being a King TV news reporter. But could you just take a couple of minutes and share a little bit about Executive Diversity Services? And hopefully this Juneteenth thing will increase your business. Well, and, and thank you for the condolences for Andy. He was one of our original um, uh, founders of the company. Um, we've been in business 34 years, and uh, he was there at the beginning uh, with, with the rest of us. So thank you. Um, uh, he was a, vital, a vitally important part of our team. Uh, he, before he retired, of course, but uh, still vital in the community. Um, yeah, we um, uh, uh, work uh, with companies and organizations uh, across the United States and around the globe, helping them understand the uh, complexities uh, and the, the challenges around creating inclusion uh, and, and what it means to value differences and 
Uh, we work with companies large and small. And uh, one, in our first uh, major client in back in 95, 96, we trained 19,000 flight attendants across the globe. Uh, one, to help them work effectively across their team members uh, when they were flying, but also to, to work effectively with all of the different cultures that were coming on their planes and coming on their planes. And so our work revolves around helping people understand these cultural differences and how they can create conflict uh, based on misperception and also kind of also, you know, reinforce, you know, racist, racist stereotypes if they have them. So that's, that's really the basis of our work. Now in Finland, I've been guest lecturing at a university there for the last um, uh, 11 years. And, uh, and, and it's a unique situation there because Finland has, uh, is known for having the number one education system in the world and has had that designation for the last 40 or 50 years. And uh, when I go into the classrooms in Finland, uh, and education, I might add, was free there all the way through a Ph.D. up until 2017, uh, just four years ago. And so my classrooms are always uh, diverse with students from several different countries in Africa in Asia, across Europe even from uh, this hemisphere in South America and also in Canada and the U.S. Um, and, and it's interesting, uh, uh, Betty, that when I, when I lecture there, before I can even talk about uh, intercultural or multicultural issues or challenges or, con- or, or the, the content that I teach, uh, the students always want to hear about the Black Panther Party first. It, it, they, that, it's unavoidable. Before I can even get into the lecture, they want to hear about my experience as a Panther. And it's always been front and center there. I, I worked in uh, the Netherlands where I was uh, actually brought there to talk about the Black Panther Party and have spoken in uh, several different communities in uh, Amsterdam uh, where there's a thriving black community there. And when I got to one of those centers, uh, in one of those community centers, the walls were plastered with Panther papers. Uh, I was like stunned. And I learned that, uh, kids in the Netherlands learn about the party in, 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 uh, in, in the classroom, uh, unlike here in the United States. So it's a very different, uh, uh feel working in Europe. I've uh, worked in universities in southern France and northern France, uh, with the same kind of appeal, uh, in Germany, uh, in, uh, uh, uh I've been in Scotland, uh, uh, the UK, just a number of places. So, and I've worked in Spain several times, uh, as well as Italy. So, it, it, but I think it's important that, um, that people are really. In, when I think about Europe, they may be behind the curve in understanding what diversity means because um, they've had a, a very different past. Uh, we've had a, a, you know, in the U.S., we continue to be challenged by race. In fact, we're the probably one of the most, if not the most race-based or race-conscious cultures in the world. And so we've been grappling with this, as everybody knows, for, you know, for decades um, and for centuries, actually. Um, and Europe now is starting to experience more of an influx over the last, I'd say, five or six years, uh, particularly since the uh, uh, the Syrian refugee crisis, um, uh, more an explosion of populations coming into some of these countries. and And so they're trying to figure out how, you know, they can be more effective working with those populations as it's a new phenomena for them. But that's kind of the basis of the work that I do. Right now, in terms of there was a reunion of the Black Panther Party. Was it a 50-year reunion? Was that a couple of years ago? Yeah, the 50th anniversary was uh, actually three years ago here in Seattle. 
we were the first chapter formed outside of the state of California, uh, and we had attended two years prior to that the uh, 50th uh, anniversary of the founding of the Black Panther Party in Oakland, uh, which was founded in 1966. Uh, and then, as I said, we were the first chapter formed outside of uh, California in 1968. And so our 50th anniversary was one that actually was a model for the rest of the chapters across the uh, country. We had a very good turnout. Uh, it lasted about a year. We brought up some prominent uh, uh, folks from the past, uh, Elaine Brown, who actually led the Black Panther Party. Uh, Aaron actually was, my brother Aaron was actually one of her bodyguards and worked closely with her. And uh, Erica Huggins, who ran the Panther School. Uh, we brought Bobby Seal up, and he's usually here for most of our reunions. Uh, Kathleen Cleaver came up. Uh, Fred Hampton's uh, son was here. Uh, Chico uh, from the uh, Young, uh, the young uh, uh, Lords was here, the Puerto Rican group that was in coalition with the party. Yeah, so it was a it was a pretty uh, extraordinary event, and and uh, and that that's great. Uh, how many of the programs did the city adopt uh, that the Panthers start? Because I know well, when we know. were at camp, when we were at camp. Uh, an elderly lady, well, she wasn't that much older than me, but she was a member of the Radical Women. Her name was Gloria Martin, white female, yep. and yep. she said, "There's no way that uh, a camp and all these employees can get a check every week and not donate." some money to the Panther Breakfast Program, which we did. Right on, <laughs> but right on. So that support was was widespread, because I also recall when uh, the FBI and the folks were going to vamp on the Panther Party, uh, it was a group of white women from Radical Women, Tara Frazier, Gloria Martin, they surrounded the Panther headquarters uh, yeah. and, and dared the police to come. Yeah, yeah, they were staunch supporters of the party, uh, Gloria and uh, and. Uh, Clara and uh, man, I, you know they were they were really you know they were very they formed the same year that we did in '68, and they were staunch supporters and were at most of our rallies or like when we had a phone tree uh, back in those days, uh, Eddie. When uh, the, the cops were were attempting to vamp, uh, you know we would uh, get on our phone tree and they would be the first ones that we called, and within you know within 20 minutes there'd be 200 people out in front of our office standing up between the, you know the cops and and, and our office. Uh, but we were number three on the uh, the hit list on Jagger's hit list uh, in '68 uh, when he declared the Black Panther Party the number one threat to the internal security of the United States. He identified three cities for elimination: uh, L.A., uh, Chicago, and Seattle. And they they killed Bunchy Carter, murdered Bunchy Carter using Ron Karinga as their front man, who was uh, who, who they say created Kwanzaa. That was his pay for for killing Panthers, Bunchy Carter, and John Huggins. And then that same year, uh, then they uh, attacked the uh, the offices in Chicago and murdered Fred Hampton. And you probably saw the friend, the movie about Judas and the Black Messiah. And then days later, they went back to L.A. to finish the job and attack the L.A. office. But they were ready. They were armed and ready. And their headquarters were fortified, as were ours. And they came after us. Uh, we didn't know we were number three on the hit list, but they came after us a month later in January of 1970. But we were tipped off by um, Don McGaffin, uh, who was, you, you remember Don, Don was, uh, oh, yeah. uh, uh, Don was down at the police station, uh, and he saw, you know, the cops, you know, getting all of their gear out and lining up all of their weapons, and he asked them what they were doing, they said, we're getting ready to go get those Dixon brothers tonight, and so he called us and told us, and so we were ready for him mm -hmm. if they came, because uh, uh, we were heavily fortified with sandbags, uh, uh, steel and plywood sandwiches on our windows, we had 
multiple weapons, probably about 50 weapons and probably 10, 20,000 rounds of ammunition. Um, but in the middle of the night, um, actually before earlier that later that evening, the mayor, uh, they had the ATF had to get permission uh, from the, uh, the mayor to use the police, the Seattle police as tactical support. And uh, he told them, uh, he asked them why they wanted to attack our office, and they used the standard reply, which is that we had illegal weapons. And the mayor retorted, well, my informant tells us that all of their, all of their weapons are legal, and you can't have, he said, there will be no bloodbath in my city. And as it turned out, um, we waited all night. We were on red alert. Um, you know, all of us were up. We had 24-hour guard duty anyway, but we were all up that night, and they never showed. They left town with their tail between their legs. Probably a good thing for them because we were much ready, more prepared than they would have ever thought we were. And uh, um, But they didn't show that night. That would have been a time when we couldn't have called Gloria Martin at 2 o'clock in the morning, but we didn't need to. We were ready for them. But that those were the days when, you know, we never knew if we were going to be attacked one day, uh, you know, um, framed up for some charge. I ended up being framed up. We found out that one of my bodyguards was a uh, uh, an informant, and uh, I got uh, framed up on a charge in Oregon when I was down there organizing the Eugene chapter of the party, and ended up spending getting six years for a leather coat. Um, and but that was all part of the uh, FBI efforts to uh, to destroy, discredit, and disrupt the activities of what they called black hate groups, which we were not a black hate group, but that's how we were designated. Um, but to your other question, in terms of you know, what programs did the city adopt? The city won't admit, the federal government won't admit to adopting anything that the party did because uh, it would be too embarrassing for them. But any kid that has had, you know, the school breakfast programs and the school lunch programs that were sponsored by the federal government, all of that came from the Black Panther Party yeah. because we embarrassed them into giving And the medical clinics. And, and our medical clinic, long before yeah. you mentioned Obamacare, our free medical clinic opened in 1970 as the Sidney Miller Free Medical Clinic, who was one of our murdered comrades here in Seattle. Right. And when we were organizing, reorganizing the clinic in 78, uh, Carolyn, who was my right-hand person, Carolyn Downs, died uh, of cancer. Uh, because of, of low standard health care in the black community. And mm-hmm. uh, so we named the, as we reopened the clinic, we named it in her honor. Sure. Uh, right. And it's still open today. Um, it's been running okay. now, our clinic, for se- uh, since 1970, the Carolyn Downs Family Medical Center. So those programs okay. set the example. Um, you know, Eddie, you know, we used to run free food banks out of uh, our, our headquarters there on, on 19th Avenue. And we got donations from around the city. We had some of the first free food banks. Um, and, and to uh, uh, Mr. Rye's credit, um, in supporting Panther programs, when we had fundraisers, he would let us come to uh, uh, camp and hold uh, uh, community breakfast programs there on Saturday mornings for people to come and eat some pancakes and uh, make some donations for the breakfast program. So uh, we're always indebted to you, uh, uh, Mr. Rye, for your support. Uh, you well, know, thank uh, you, uh, Mr. Party. Elmer, we could talk for an hour, but we got to go. But thank you so much, and thank you for all you've done and you continue to do. So uh, thank you. blessings be up unto you and your family. Okay, then, that was Elmer Dixon, and you heard about all the good things that the Seattle Black Panther Party was doing. So we're going to take a quick break and come back with Gwen Allen Carston, the Executive Director of the Kent Black Action Commission, on their Juneteenth celebration after this message. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. 
The port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion, and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxhops.com. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Life Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill and the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Life Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Linklight Rail Station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Linklight Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Linklight Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. Multicultural, multidimensional even. Alternative Talk 1150. All right, Eddie Ryan back in Urban Forum Northwest. My next guest is Ms. Gwen Allen Carston, Executive Director of the Kent Black Action Commission, and they're sponsoring their 10th annual Juneteenth celebration Saturday. It will be in a virtual event. And uh, so, Gwen, welcome to Urban Forum Northwest. And why don't you give our listeners a rundown on what's going to be happening? Uh, you guys have had probably one of the longest uh, Juneteenth celebrations uh, in the a greater Seattle area that I can think of. Hello, Eddie. How are you? And hello, everyone out there. And uh, thank you for that uh, introduction. Yes, we are glad that we've been able to continue our legacy in this area with the Juneteenth celebration. That all It all started with somebody saying, why don't we do Juneteenth? And that's what we've been trying to do every year. So why don't you give us a breakdown on, uh, you, you know, this is going to be virtual this year. But in the past, yeah. you, I've been a park. Is it called? Is that railroad park? What park is that called? Yes, it's going to be a bit different this year. We won't be having the uh, the vendors and everybody around like we normally have because our planning started right in the middle of when they were trying to decide whether we could be outside or people could come or whatever. So uh, we wanted to do something for that day, and what we came up with was. At 11 to 2 on Saturday, June 19th, at Morrill Meadows Park in Kent on East Hill, that address is 10600 Southeast 248th Street in Kent. We're going to be serving the community a free lunch meal, a free, um, if you will, taste of Juneteenth meaning we're going to have, try and have as many of those traditional items that we normally have with the barbecue and the, the chicken sausages and the drumsticks and the potato salad, that kind of thing. We're going to offer out to the community for those who want to stop by a free meal. 
And we also will be handing out some of the copies from our brother uh, Carl Mack, his Black Heritage Day ca- uh, calendars. Um, I wasn't supposed to tell folks that, but I'm telling you now that those will be available. And we will, after the lunch serving, we're headed to your home, my home, the community center, or wherever, so you can watch our virtual production for Juneteenth this year. And that virtual production is put together by our friend and colleague, Davis Chura, with Channel ATV. And it will be as if we were live in the park for our normal celebration. We're going to follow a program like we normally do, and we're going to have people from the community on a lot of different uh, levels and areas speaking about Juneteenth and what it means to them, what their understanding is about Juneteenth. We also will have a performance again by Mr. Michael Powers through this technology. He was able to send us about three or four different um, choices of his, his genre so we can have some entertainment throughout the virtual program. The program will be available to you whether you uh, start watching at 3 or not. You still will have the link so that when you get tired of running around and doing everything you're doing that day or the next day, you can sit back and enjoy the ceremony or the celebration just as if you were there. So we will be putting up our link on our Facebook page for Kent Black Action Commission and on our website page, which is kentblackactioncommission.org. And from those two pages, you will be able to hit that button and sit back and relax, and we hope you can find something to enjoy, to discuss, and hopefully this will be a time for us to get things clear about this, this energy around Juneteenth this year. It seems like everybody and every entity wants to do something around Juneteenth this year. But I agree with my brother Carl when he says that if we're going to do something, we better be ready to tell the whole truth about that thing. So we're not only leaving a, a legacy with the, with the virtual, but we're leaving a space for people to start having conversations and for us all to get educated, re-educated, or just educated. And uh, my daughter is having me come down to uh, Los Angeles for Father's Day. But I did stop by with Davis Chirwa and uh, do my recording for the program as well. And then normally, you know, I'd be in the park with you. Yes. <laughs> so yes. so yes. I will be so, so that way I can I can share that with uh, my relatives and stuff down in L.A. when I get down there on Sunday. Yes. Yes. Because so, I'll be able to go and know, go to the link and, and be able to see it. So that's great. Yeah. So we're just trying to, to add to um, what people expect from us, and we're so grateful for the su- continued support for KBAC. Folks, we, we want to make sure that our legacy is good and true. So stay tuned for some new and different things coming through uh, from KBAC. We're looking forward to another candidates forum. You know, we stay ready for those candidates to speak up and, and answer our questions, and we want to make sure that our youth are engaged a bit more than what we've been doing in the past. So there's lots of work to be done. We'll have some announcements about uh, enlisting more volunteers. We just want folks to know that we are not out here trying to do things all by ourselves, but we do have a heart for our people. And somebody does have to take the lead, Wynn Allen Carson. And I'm so happy 
that you have not, you and Richard Johnson, Azalea and Charles, your husband, you guys have yeah. not been bashful about taking the lead and that's how things get done. So uh, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a proud yeah. to be affiliated with, with KBAT. All right. And uh, this uh, venue here, this radio program, anytime that you guys have something come up, you know, you're always welcome to come on yes. and let the people know what's happening. Cause not only is what you're doing in Kent, you also are providing information for people in other communities like in Linwood yeah. or Edmonds or Seattle or, or some other city in the greater yeah. area in Martin Luther King Jr. County, giving them yeah. some kind of ideas on, on what yeah. and you mentioned Michael Powers. Michael will be, he's going to get off the golf course long enough to do an interview and play some of his music a little later during yeah. this hour and talk about his participation uh, in, in the NKBAC's uh, Juneteenth celebration. Well, I was just so happy to see President Biden sign the legislation making Juneteenth a federal holiday after all these years. Yes. Now, yes. Now if and we we're going to be working on uh, working with our government agencies to make sure that when this uh, Juneteenth is mentioned from this point on, let's tell everything about it. Don't just pick out the little piece that's sweet. Let's tell everything about it. And let's make that a part of the final document before it is put into place on uh, in 2022. That's when it will be officially uh, a holiday. And in between that time, if there's any amendments or adjustments that we need to do to the wording, that's what we'll be working on from this point on. So we want to make clear that we're not just taking it for granted that people understand. We want it in writing that people know and they can better understand. Thank you so much, uh, uh, Executive Director Gwen Allen Carson, and we'll see you on Saturday. So thank you for the work you're doing, and we sure appreciate you. Thank you so much, Eddie. All right, now. See you soon. Bye-bye. Okay, before we go to our next guest, Paul Tarosa, i got to give a shout-out of condolence to uh, Judge uh, Fred Bonner, who passed away. And there's an article on the front page of the Medium also with the Senate confirming Judge Kenjai Brown Jackson to the powerful D.C. Appellate Court. Uh, there's also a, ML, a Juneteenth special in the medium this week. I also want to give a shout out to uh, the Roberts family in the passing of Melvin Roberts Sr. Condolences to his wife and family, Jackie Hollingsworth uh, Roberts. And then my good friend uh, Earl Turner passed away, and he will have a service that will be held at New Hope Missionary Baptist Church. It will be uh, tomorrow at 2 o'clock p.m., so I uh, just want to keep those folks in mind. Also, there are a number of columns, including my friend Dr. E. Day Williams uh, is also in the media of the state. And then there's another article. I want to give the sisters a shout out. Uh, Amazon donates a million dollars to the group of sisters uh, supporting communities of color. And there's a nice article about Andrea Capain Sanderson in there. I think my good friend Michelle Merriweather, Senator Twina Nobles. And I can't remember Angela's last name, but there's another sister involved too. Thank you all so much for what you do. My next guest is one of the organizers of the Juneteenth event at North Seattle College that will be happening on Saturday, Juneteenth. His name is Paul Carosa. Uh, the Carosa family, I've been knowing for over 60 years before Paul was thought of, but we do go back quite a ways. So, Paul, why don't you bring our listeners up to date on what's going to be happening at North Seattle College on Saturday? Uh, thank you very much, Eddie, and thank you for your lifelong friendship and support and partnership with my family through over the years. Uh, this Saturday, we're organizing a Juneteenth 
celebration at North Seattle College, and we're honored to have Eddie as one of our guests. Our theme is past, present, and future, and I shared with the people at the college that Eddie's all three. He's been active throughout the past. Growing up in the Central District, saw him leading struggles throughout. He continues to do so as he is on the air today, and he continues to work toward the future to bring about more of the changes we need to happen. So Eddie's a guest, going to be one of our featured speakers. We have a Dr. Dan Johnson. He's a longtime professor out at South Seattle Community College. South Seattle College it's called, called now, and other guest speakers and performances, and it's our first major celebration of Juneteenth at North Seattle College, so um, I think we're kicking it off with a real bang, um, and so we hope there's some limited in-person attendance, and it will also be uh, broadcast on Zoom, so you can participate over Zoom. And how can people get access to the information, Paul? Can you give uh, our uh, listeners you, access to Blake? I think if you search North Seattle College, get to our website, you should be able to find the uh, information to connect with the event on Zoom. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned uh, two of the speakers. You say there's also going to be some entertainment as well. Yes. I don't have that in hand with me, okay. who, who that's going to be. I'm on the road um, driving up from California, so California. I'm in the middle of Oregon oh, right yeah. now. So. Congratulations to your son for graduating from college. Yes, so I'm that's driving him home from his graduation from college at Cal Poly, so really excited to be have him up there okay. with us as well. Well, you know, since we had uh, Elmer Dixon on, I want to let everybody know that Seattle chapter of the Black Panther Party, I think, had the only two Asian uh, uh, members. Uh, that would be your older, your brother, Guy Carosa, your late brother, Guy Carosa, and uh, also uh, 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 Mike Michael Tagawa. Tagawa, yeah. Yeah. So uh, that, that was very unique to have. Uh, I remember when I was directing the talent search program, I offered guy a counseling position he said no man you better get my sister ruth ann because she has a little bit more patience than me you know i might not <laughs> i might not have the patience that's required so anyways it turns out ruth ann did an outstanding job as a matter of fact your whole family did as a matter of fact your other late brother guy garosa uh, uh hugo and uh, my brother jackie were the best of friends and also did a lot of fishing together so yeah, uh, you guys, I also man. noticed that, that that North Seattle College has has hired a black female as president. Can you give us yes. some information about that? Yeah, she's recently hired. Um, she was an interim, and just recently announced that she was offered the offered and accepted the permanent position. She's an educator from Texas, so she knows a about lot Juneteenth. About, uh, <laughs> Juneteenth and injustice down south and so i think she's coming here with some great understanding and what is her uh, name uh paul dr shameen crawford dr shameen crawford okay congratulations yeah, dr shameen crawford yeah, but i and i you know i'm know it's going to be great for her to meet you and hopefully she'll meet many more from the community and involve many from the community and making a difference out at north because you know north seattle is still north seattle so we need members of our community out there to 
still work to change things out there. Yeah, my late brother-in-law was at North was North Seattle Community College at the time. The late Lee Brock, uh, he yeah. was he worked out there as well. And then my wife was at Shoreline, so we do it now. And I guess Shoreline Community, Community College has a, a black female president as well. So it's good to see some things. So, uh, are you interested in becoming a, a college president eventually, Paul Gross? No, I. <laughs> maybe I'm kind of like Guy in that way. So <laughs> I. <laughs> continue feeling good, making a difference in the classroom, working with the students that I able to come across and work with directly. Now, before we go, is this event, is it open to the public or you got to regulate it based on the number, based on COVID-19? Are you encouraging I, those folks? I believe folks it's that... open. I, I believe on campus there's limits to um, how many are going to be allowed to register to attend in person, but Again, it's going to be on Zoom, and I don't think we have, I'm almost positive we don't have a limit on how many can participate over Zoom. Yeah, okay. And if well, that's good, and, and that's going to be at what time, and where, where will the lake be? Uh, I believe it's from 11 to 2 this Saturday on Juneteenth. Um, Eddie, your part's going to start around 12.20. I will introduce you, and then you will speak from about 12:20 so hopefully those of you who are hearing this can attend for as much of it as possible but certainly hope you're there 12:20 to hear Eddie talk a little bit about the past, present and future. Well, Paul Carosa, want to thank you very much for all the work you're doing out there and keeping it real. So I look forward to seeing you on Saturday, brother of Juneteenth with the holiday bill being signed officially today by President Biden gives new meaning to Juneteenth on Saturday. So thank you very much, Paul Carosa. Okay, thank you, Eddie. Look forward to see you Saturday. You All right, see you Saturday. Okay, we're going to take a quick break and come back with the music guy after this. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxshops.com. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill and the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. 
Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Linklight Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Linklight Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Linklight Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. Going against the grain has never been this much fun. Alternative Talk 1150. Eddie Ryan back at Urban Forum Northwest, and the music you're hearing is produced and performed by my next guest, the music aficionado Michael Powers, who also will be highlighted at KBAC, Kent Black Action Commission's uh, virtual Juneteenth celebration. And Michael, are you going to be in the park, Michael, on Saturday? Uh, I am not because they said it was virtual. So I actually okay. my parts ahead of time. Uh, I was going to yeah. be happy to come play in the park, but uh, then I heard from Gwen that, you know, they decided this year, obviously last year it was shut down entirely. And then at least we're doing virtual and it sounds like some stuff's going on in the park. Are some of the vendors going to set up there? Uh, they said uh, they're going to feed people from 11 to, 11 to 2, I think. And then oh, well, uh, everybody good. wants everybody to go home for the three o'clock uh, virtual performance. Okay. Well, I, I, uh, I'm just doing what what they ask. I'm happy to be involved. I'm always uh, great to be part of KBAC offerings, and uh, I think I've been there most of the times. And it's great. It's always been good to see you out there as well. Yes. Yes. And uh, so this year will be extra special with the fact that we now officially have. A, the Juneteenth legislation signed by the president. That happened uh, this afternoon in Washington, D.C. So that's hopefully, uh, yeah, so that happened today. Now, if we could just get that voting rights bill and that reparations uh, legislation signed, then we could really celebrate some Juneteenth. <laughs> we need to have yeah, that think, as well. Uh, so, Michael. Yeah, uh, we, got, we got a little go roadblock with Joe Manchin. We got to work on that guy. But I tell you, I, I, last year, last month, I gave him the Bull Connor Award for civil yeah. rights obstruction. But uh, why yeah. don't you just take a minute or two and just share with our listeners about your latest recordings. Uh, yeah, I know you couldn't play anywhere this past year unless it was only three or four people. But uh, just give a little yeah. bit about what you have on and uh, the latest music you have on, on rec- that you've recorded. Uh, my latest album is uh, called Retro Radio. It's available on my website. People can get downloads. They can also... Uh, actually buy the physical CDs as well. Um, it is uh, an overview of a lot of uh, 80s, 90s, 2000s tunes that I always enjoyed listening. I've been making a living almost 40 years now playing music, and I've played a lot of different kinds of music. But these were tunes that I always enjoyed listening to when I heard them on the radio, but I never had to play them during the time of my performing. So I sort of admired them from afar, and I decided to get closer to them and put my own stamp on them and put them out. But during the pandemic, I've had a lot of downtime, I've, uh, and I actually did a lot of composing, and there's a bunch of stuff now in my vault that I'm going to get back to and polish up and get out a lot of new music. So it was a very fertile time for me as far as... Uh, being able to be creative because I had enough time to do it, you know. And so I, I know so you there. stay busy. So another thing I want to do too is that uh, 
I want to make sure we save a couple of minutes because I want people to just hear some of your music when we end the program. So, uh, oh, yeah. it's, it looks Thank like uh, things are going to be open. I see Jazz Alley is opening back up. Yes. Yeah, Jazz Alley's opening up. I'm going to be doing a, uh, a show in Issaquah tomorrow from 6 to 8. Issaquah is, is acknowledging Juneteenth. So, you know, it's going, it's going wide when you can do it on the east side as well. Um, from six to eight, and of course the virtual performance for the K-Back folks on Father's Day. I'm going down to Lakewood to play at the Blue Note, which has been renovated and they have a big space. Like you said, Jazz Alley's opening. Everything's opening up. It's going to be a great summer. So it's uh, unfortunately we lost some of our bigger outdoor festivals because they were unsure at the time, including the K-Back Festival, Taste of Tacoma, Bite of Seattle, Bumbershoot. Those are all shelved for this year. Seafair for instance, like uh, when we all got to do that thing with the float, that was amazing. Uh, mm. That was the last big seafarer celebration. But so hopefully by next summer, we'll be in full-fledged with all that. I mean, it's weird if those uh, seafarer pirates aren't running around Seattle. <laughs> yeah, you're right about that. Well, Michael, thank you very much, brother. And we'll, I'll see you at one of these venues when I'm back in town and, and you're playing somewhere that's live. But I'll be checking you yeah. on uh, the virtual K-Back performance uh so uh, I want to close yeah, out with some of your point. music. So thank you very much, Mike. Oh, yeah. Thank you, for okay, brother. Carson, Bye. and everyone for having me there. And, and go to michaelpowersmusic.com to keep track of where I'm at and hear my music. And we'll repeat that regularly on this radio program, too, sir. So thank you very much. And thank I you. want to thank Stephanie Ogle. Uh, I want to thank who does our technology, the Port of Seattle's uh, diversity contracting office, me and Rice. Uh, the City of Seattle's Personal Construction Services Office, uh, Sound Transit, uh, Joan A. Robinson and Leslie Jones, Labor and Civil Rights, and the Concourse Concession with Dave Fukuhara, uh, SeaTac Bar Group, LLC, with the two Desert Storm veterans, Jerry Whitsitt and Rod O'Neill. And thank you very much, Eric, and we'll be talking to you again next week. <laughs>